Hey everybody, this is Adam with the Back Patio Network, and we have my good pal. Hi, I'm Wes. I uh, am here to talk about Spider-Man. Yes. And comics in general, even though I've never really read a lot of them. That's okay, that's what I'm here for. I am trying to get you and many, many others into the art of reading comic books. Because right now, it is a pretty hard feat to tackle, it feels like, sometimes. Yeah, especially when you go to the comic book store right now, and you see 19 different storylines connected to Thor. So which one do I pick up? Like, yeah, like where do you even start? Where do I start? How do I even get into the midstream? And to jump into it is really expensive if you pick the wrong part. It can be, absolutely. And that is what we here at the Comic Book Cabinet are all about. Trying to get you into the right characters at the right points in time. And hopefully, you'll be able to learn a little bit with us. And if not the right character, at least a character. Yeah, definitely. There is literally, there is a comic book character out there for anybody and everyone it is amazing how diversified comic books are now. Even if you're not reading superheroes, you can be reading a different type of comic that's just as good. All right, Wes, I think we should just go ahead and dive right into it. Uh, this week, we are talking about Spider-Man. Yes. Now, last week, I had you read Amazing Spider-Man 801. What'd you think about it? 801. You know, okay, so I read 801 before I read any other Spider-Man comic. Right, that was the issue I assigned to you, basically, yeah. to get into Spider-Man, essentially. Right, and I, you know, I didn't like it yeah. right off the bat. Uh, it goes over his uh, story way too fast, and it focuses on this other individual. It has nothing to do with Spider-Man. I could tell it was an homage. It was a love story to Spider-Man and all the things. I think it was Dan Slott that wrote that one. It was Dan Slott's last book. Yeah. Like I could tell it was a love story to Spider-Man on that. But for me as a brand new reader, without all this background of 800 issues before being read, it was kind of lost. Yeah. And you know, the, the reason I had you read that is because they're coming out with the next issue is going to be like the new amazing Spider-Man number one. Essentially. I wanted you to read the last thoughts of the last writer to transition you into Amazing Spider-Man number one. Which is, which is not a bad idea. Yeah, and the, it, another big thing for me with that one is that it tells the story from a different perspective, like you mentioned. I mean, you follow somebody whose life has been saved by Spider-Man, so it gives you a totally different perspective on the superhero. Because a lot of times, there are superheroes that I hate that do good. But when you see them from someone else's eyes, you can fall in love with them easier, if that makes sense. I'm nodding my head trying to put all of that together. Yeah. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's so, Spider-Man. So good heroes that do bad, but bad heroes that do good? Uh, no, I wouldn't even say that. Like, Scott Summers is an X-Man. He is he uses the eyes. Uh, why am yeah, I blanking? Yeah. Cyclops. Cyclops, thank you. I got you. I hate that motherfucker. Like, <laughs> you want to talk about... <laughs> you hate him that much. Yes. That you went ahead and dropped that F-bomb. I did. Right there in the middle. Sorry, family. <laughs> Sorry, folks. But... Cyclops. Let's just go back to Spider-Man. <laughs> no, I want to talk about Cyclops for a second. We're there now. You do not like Cyclops. No, God. You want to talk about the biggest tool bag in the entire Marvel Universe. Cyclops is right up there at the top. But he, he shoots beams yeah. of lasers. Like I'm saying, superhero, Laser beams. superhero bad guy. Okay. Can't stand okay, him. Okay. I, he's just a, he's just horrible. He does bad things. We're gonna get to. We're gonna have an X Men episode. Okay. I was about to say we are going to talk yeah. about this Cyclops we will. obsession. I can't wait for you to read Schism. Okay. But so Spider Man, Spider Man. <laughs> Let's go back to the point of the episode, which is Spider Man. So you didn't like the comic. I loved it, but I think that's because I've been reading Spider Man for a okay. long time. So here's the thing. I have now gone back. Okay. And read a ton of Spider Man. Gotcha. And every issue that I had with 801 was solved by actually reading a lot of Spider-Man. That makes sense, yeah. And, it, and now, 
I see why you loved it. Yeah, that, it totally makes sense. So one of the cool things about 801 is in, I always get this wrong, Amazing Fantasy? Amazing Fantasy 15. Amazing Fantasy 15, the first appearance of Spider-Man, along with the mummy guy. Uh, is The issue I had in 801 is they went over the uh, origin story of Spider-Man in like six panels, one page, whole right. origin story. with, And that's exactly what they did in Amazing Fantasy 15. Right, yeah, one it's page, like short form storytelling. Four or five panels, whole story's done. Yep. Uh, and so, Amazing Fantasy 15, a beautiful short story. Yeah. 801, a beautiful short story of a short story. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. They did a really quick retelling. And speaking of Amazing Fantasy 15, let's just go ahead and drop it out there. That was the first appearance of of Spider-Man. Yes. Very first appearance. It's really neat uh, because they were actually going to cancel Amazing Fantasy, period, which was why they let Stan Lee go ahead and do Spider-Man. He had the idea of, you know, let's do a superhero that is a kid because at the time, all of the kids in Marvel were the sidekicks. I mean, they were like nobodies, really. They were just kind of there to make the superheroes look even yeah. better. I know it's DC, but the Robin to Batman. Exactly. Yeah. Very similar. So, it, you know, the whole idea behind it was, I want to use the word preposterous. It wasn't like anything that had been done yet. In fact, sorry, when Stan Lee had Jack Kirby draw the first Spider-Man, he drew him as an adult and said, no, 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 that's not what I want. I want a kid. So he went to Steve Ditko, who actually did the artwork for Spider-Man for quite a while. Uh, but I think it was beautiful. You know, it was a really, really neat thing to release in kind of one of the last issues of Amazing Fantasy 15. It was actually featured on the uh, Spider-Man movie that came out in 2001. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's on the DVD. I, just, I don't know. I thought that was kind of a random fun fact. Wait, what's on the DVD? The, Amazing the Fantasy actual, 15. Amazing Fantasy 15, the actual comic. Yeah. You a digital version on that DVD? Back in the early 2000s when DVDs were first new, they had like DVD video games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was kind or of like little that. extras, whether mm-hmm. it was uh, behind the scenes or deleted scenes or right. just whatever. It was. Yeah. Okay, so they had the comic mm-hmm. there that you could read in digital format on your big screen TV. Yeah, I just That's thought that was fun. neat. Um, I don't know that that was really like a big breakthrough in comic to digital comics or anything like that, but it's kind of right. just a neat fact about it. Uh, yeah. Another really cool thing about it is that recently, I, I believe that it is the highest sold version of this. There was a version that sold for $1.1 million. Of Amazing Fantasy 15? Yeah. It the was first rated, appearance of Spider-Man? First appearance of Spider-Man. It was rated okay. 9.6 by CGC, which is really high. That's near perfect, near mint. Uh, but yeah, it sold for $1.1 million. And there's only been three comics that sold for that. Of course, first appearance of Superman yeah. and first appearance of Batman. So okay. Spider-Man is just as important Wait, as those two. So Spider-Man is number three to Superman and Batman? Yeah. So the number can we legitly say the number one Marvel comic book seller? You know, I, I, I have not looked at facts and numbers, so I cannot say that in pure confidence. But I would have to think that Spider-Man is easily in their top five because it is sold consistently. I mean, you just said there are three comics that have sold for more than a million. Right. And yeah. two of them are DC. This is the number one highest selling original appearance from Marvel is Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. And no, when you think true. of all of the characters that Marvel owns and has come up with over the years it's that crazy. have come out of the brilliant mind of Stan Lee, Spider-Man is number one. Yeah. And, and let's throw out the word many, many others too, not just Stan Lee. <laughs> well, sure, 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 sure. But yes, Spider-Man, number one. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. And I got to say, uh, I can see why after reading the original Spider-Man appearance is such a beautiful version of short story storytelling 
he's up there with the masters as far as short story ter- storytelling goes. 95 panels, he's able to tell the full story of Spider-Man from his origin story through learning how to deal with his early powers, how he deals with having those powers and the power going to his head to his uncle dying yeah. at the end and dealing with the anguish and the pain of seeing his uncle die and dealing with that. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, Stan Lee had this big thing whenever he was writing comics that was, if anybody picked up your comic right now, they need to know everything they need to know to be able to read it and understand it. In one in one magazine. In one magazine. And they don't do that anymore, in my opinion. Like, a lot of comics nowadays have this 15 paragraphs in the front panel, but his idea was that you could read it and know what was going on without having to have read the 15 issues before it. Uh, then what should we talk about next? I think we just got to start it out. Amazing Fantasy 15. It's the introduction of Peter Parker. Sure. So you've got the introduction of Peter Parker, who's just this high school nerd. He goes on a science field trip, gets bitten by a radioactive spider, doesn't even know he has superpowers, but he walks out of the building feeling nasty, kind of sick, and a car is about to hit him, and he jumps over it, and he's like, oh my gosh, I've got powers. Right, so all of a sudden, a regular teenager, and then a car's about to run you over, and next thing you know, you're climbing a building. Right, and so his very first inclination is, how can I make money with this? Right. So he goes and he's poor as a teenager. You want to go buy the next comic book, or you want to buy the fun things to support your aunt and uncle. Or the Mustang. (laughs) You know, whatever, (laughs) right? Uh, So he goes and he makes some quick cash off of it by wrestling somebody uh, for longer than a few minutes. And someone out in the audience notices him, and it just so happens to be a TV producer. So oh. now he's on TV. Snidely Whiplash recognizes him. He's got yeah. the mustache <laughs> and the top hat. He's like, hey, 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 I got a great idea for you, kid. Yeah. Come on into my show. I'll show you the things that we can do with you. Right. And that was what's great about that is that is when the actual Spider-Man suit gets introduced. Because when he fought this guy in this arena, he yeah. just had like a mask on, like a it's ski like a mask. sock on his head or something. Yeah, exactly. I forget exactly what it was. <laughs> But yeah, he's just barely hiding. He's like, I don't want anybody to know who I am. Yeah. How will I deal with being a nerd if I'm actually a jock? And- right. And, and you know, knowing who he is is this huge thing that pops up continuously throughout all of Spider-Man comics is like, oh, everybody knows who I am now. And now they don't. And now they do. And now they don't. <laughs> oh, my God. But anyways. But he somehow is able to, as a high school kid, develop web shooters. Yes. Well, that's the thing. Is click onto his wrist. Right. He's also incredibly intelligent, but then he also is able to sew a blue and red costume for himself mm-hmm. out of, I don't know, his mom's jacket or, or aunt's jacket or something. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, uh, he's living with Aunt May and Uncle Ben. He has made some money, and the person that has paid him, this TV producer, is getting robbed, and the guy that robs him runs right past him. I don't have to deal with you. Yeah. Who cares? Just go on. Uh, nobody's going to tell me what to do anymore. Exactly. You know, I'm that's, I'm no nerd. And that's what Spider-Man is thinking, or Peter Parker's thinking. It's like, I'm a big superhero, or not even a superhero. I have superpowers, and I can do whatever I want. So if I don't want to stop that guy, please, officer, you can't tell me what to do. Yeah, that's your job, not mine. Yeah, you catch that guy. Right. And oh. so he goes home. Uncle Ben's dead. Well, it's not home no, no, that no, night. It's not that night, but he goes on a tour sure. and he comes back home and Uncle Ben's dead. And sure. And it but, really depends on where you're reading it because they've rewritten yeah. this story a million times right. and sometimes it's within hours of each other. Sure. But but we're reading Amazing uh, Fantasy number 15. First appearance. And, gotta he be goes, true. and he goes on a tour showing off his superpowers. He finally visits home. Uncle Ben has passed away. 
And, and he he chases this guy down. Finds him in a warehouse at yeah. the end of town. He's like, oh, I'm familiar with this warehouse. Right. And he gets in there. He's beating the snot out of this guy. And then, like, the moon goes by and it shines his face. And he realizes dun, dun, dun. it's him. It's the guy yeah. that, you know. It's the guy know, he let <sighs> go. Oh, it's so, so painful. And the really cool thing in the comic is, like, the four or five panels beforehand where he's chasing this guy and fighting him in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. You never see his face. Right. So you don't know whether he's hidden behind a gun that's outstretched in his hand, hides his face because of perspective, or he's in the shadows, or his coat collar is turned up. You don't know who this guy is, yeah, until the final panel. And that final panel, and you know, at the he, so he beats the guy up. He like turns him into the cops, and and this is when he decides, okay, I'm Spider Man, right? And I am a superhero. I will. I have a responsibility Mm -hmm. to. What, what was the quote at the end? So that's like what, it's a narrator thing right. that he says, and it's been bastardized over the next. Oh my gosh, I was about to bring this plus up. Fifty years, absolutely. So everybody always says, "Spider Man, oh, with great responsibility comes great power, right. or great power comes great responsibility." Yeah. And it's much better written, by the way. Well, so the thing is, is like everyone attributes Uncle Ben to that, and it wasn't even Uncle Ben that no. said it. It's some random narrator at the end. So at it's the Stanley, end. it's Stanley. It, it's totally basically Stanley. Stanley, and it says, "With great power, there must also come great responsibility." But I do think it's interesting that people have gotten it mixed up for such a long time. I mean, I didn't know it until I read this thing that it was wrong. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's just part of it. Uh, a lot of these things get shortened over time. So, and gosh, that was what? At this point, 80 years ago? 1960... 1961? 61, 62, 61 right to 62, there. yeah. That was the, the, the run of Amazing Fantasy was between 1961 and 1962. The last issue of the series, until it was later rebanded, was in 1995. So, so we're talking 56 years. Yeah. Not whatever you said. 80 years. Whatever. Yeah, it's not 80. I don't know It's math. 56. Let's, you read I, comics. You don't know math. Right. <laughs> I know how to read, not add, okay? Or subtract in this case. <laughs> so the way that we're going to work this is we just want to give you the rundown of what we consider, or may, really me, I, Adam, what I consider to be the top points of Spider-Man. These are the things you need to know to go and pick up an issue right now and read through it and have the bigger picture, the bigger image of Spider-Man. These were points that I feel like consistently be bro- are brought up and need to be known. They're not just random storylines. However, I will say, you'll find the issues we read in the story notes or the podcast notes. You can also find them on our website, backpationetwork.com. I would highly recommend reading some of these other storylines that we're going to talk about because they're great. I mean, it's Spider-Man. They're all awesome. There are very few storylines I don't like. Talking about you, clones. <laughs> so, Wes, the next big story point, in my opinion, we're going to go into part two here, is going to be the death of the Stacys. Oh, yeah, that was definitely a big dramatic moment. And you had talked to me about this whole storyline long before I read it. So to actually go and read it and see the artwork and how the actual details played out in this, it was completely different than what I was expecting. Yeah, it's interesting. Everybody remembers MJ as being the Spider-Man's girlfriend, Spider-Man's wife. You know, when you think Spider-Man, you think Mary Jane Parker. It wasn't always the case. Before MJ, way before MJ, in fact, there was Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy was what I would consider Peter Parker's first love. Peter Parker had dated her for quite a long time, got to be really good friends with her father. And in fact, he even, I believe, several times said that he saw Mr. Stacy as a father figure. So... Mr. Stacy is one of the first people to die due to the hands of Spider-Man as in kind of an incident accident. There's this reoccurring theme where someone gets hurt or someone dies and Peter Parker blames Spider-Man for it. Wouldn't you say after reading some of the ones I've given you, it seems like this is a happening thing that happens. I was just thinking, I like the way you phrased that. Peter Parker 
blame Spider-Man, even though they are the same person. And yes, that is absolutely 100% true. Yeah. Every single time, it's it's never like, oh, I put myself in this position. It's, well, Spider-Man put me in this position. He, I think he really sees them as, as different entities. At, at, at his core, Peter Parker is just this nerdy genius. Spider-Man is his escape. Sure. And then also, the fact that he's willing to take the responsibility as Spider-Man, just to say, it's his fault, it's my fault, they died because of me. It wasn't because some crazed out idiot with octopus arms like did something weird and they malfunctioned and right. Oh, what was it? How did it kill uh, Mr. States? He was like uh, the was malfunctioning ba- arms. The malfunctioning arms hit like a, uh, like a fire a chimney, chimney or Thank something. You. Knocked some bricks off of a, a tall building. They were gonna fall on a child, and Mr. Stacy knocked the child out of chose the way. to dive in and save right. the child. And so then Mr. Stacy died because the bricks hit him in the head and died. Right. And then it's but it's Spider Man's fault. Like, come on, man, yeah. stop! You're not. You're not that important. Right. But I will say the thing I love about that issue is that Spider-Man in that issue is not the superhero. It's Mr. Stacy. This is true. He risked his life to save someone. Uh, Spider-Man was fi- fighting Octopus Guy because he Doc felt Oc. like it. His name's Doc Ock. I'm going to call him Octopus Guy. Octopus Guy. <laughs> well, so shortly after Mr. Stacy's death, you know, there was this huge steam. There was shortly after Mr. Stacy's death, there was this huge scene where Spider-Man's talking to him. And he knows that it's Peter Parker, and he says something along the lines of, take good care of her son, talking about his daughter. Oh, yeah, Mr. Stacy knew the whole time. The whole time. And we'll get into another one of those later, but I knew the whole time. I'm so proud of you. Take care of my daughter for me. Right. (laughs) And literally 30 issues later, she's dead. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, oh, I'm sorry. My bad. (laughs) But, I mean, God. That scene, that's, though, that's kills brutal, me man. because so the whole thing is, is that the Green Goblin has captured Gwen Stacy and he throws her off of the Brooklyn Bridge. So she's falling. Spider-Man is in. He's kind of sick at the moment. Like in that issue, there is something that had happened previously. That's making. Flu. Yeah, he basically has the spider flu. He has the flu. Yeah, like, that's the whole thing. Like he's like, oh, I'm glad to know what it is. It's just the flu. I'm fine. Right. So he's feeling weak, he's feeling dazed, and he's trying to fight the Green Goblin, and he throws her off of the bridge. And he so, being Green Goblin. Correct, not Spider-Man, because that would be redundant or weird. It would be awful, is what that would well, be. Well, sure, yeah. <laughs> but it's so funny to me, because he's standing on top of the building, and he's going, oh man, look at my cool powers, I've got these things that are going to allow me to save the day. And he, he so he like, thwip, and he catches her in his web, and he's pulling her up. The cool thing about that scene, though, and I think this is heavily debated throughout comic history, is whether or not that catching killed Gwen Stacy, because it snapped her neck. You know, she was going to die either way, there, right? There's no argument to be made. I think there is. If Green Goblin doesn't throw Gwen Stacy off the building, she doesn't die. And actually, I think in the issue, what is said, I think Green Goblin says... Or somebody says she was dead the second he threw her off. Green Goblin says that, yeah, because he he's sitting there and you know he's freaking out. He pulls her up and he's like, "Oh, Gwen, I saved you. Look at my not only am I charming, but I've got these great <laughs> powers." Like the way that they worded it was so oh, goofy man, back yeah. in the day. And he looks at her and he's like, "Oh no, Gwen, Gwen, you're dead. You're dying. You know, and you you're gone." And the Green Goblin is like flying around. I'm like, <laughs> "She was dead the instant I threw her off the building. Yeah. Falling from such a great height would kill you instantly. As soon as you like your feet dangling off is kind of the way you." phrases it yeah like just by being in midair like the uh, heart would just give like out. you would just give out like you would die instantly like, yeah 
Green Goblin's such a goofy character. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. He flies around on this like v- inverted V bullshit <laughs> item. I don't know. And the Hobgoblin later does the same thing. And I'm like, really, guys? Like, they're shown talking to other villains, and he's still floating on this inverted V. I mean, to be fair, if I had a floating object like that, I would. we would not be recording sitting down, Wes. <laughs> I can't argue. I'd be right there too. <laughs> if I had a hoverboard, hover, that's what I was. I was about to go to hoverboards. Like that's yeah, what it is. Okay, okay. I'm still mad at Back to the Future, but we're moving on. Yes. So uh, that is the death of the Stacys, and I think that was huge because in my mind, that was the first time Spider-Man had to deal with someone's death that was directly caused by him being Spider-Man. If he had just been Peter Parker, it would have been a totally different story. Yeah, the uh, octopus guy would have just taken over the world. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Green and Goblin would have just wreaked havoc all over New York City because no one was there to stop him. Yeah, well... Come on, Spider-Man, pull yourself up out of this depression state. <laughs> and there's actually a really, really awful period of time in a few comics where he tries to be like, oh, I'm no longer Spider-Man and give it up, and he always goes back, but that's besides the point. All right, so now that we've talked about the death of the Stacys, can we talk about one of the things that bothered the hell out of me as I moved on through the comics? Of course, yeah. Uh, Gwen Stacy dies. Yes, couple weeks later days later hours later i really couldn't tell in the comic mj shows up Mm -hmm. and it's like hey sup peter well so mj and gwen were friends i I say friends you know she was actually with harry osborne who is peter parker's closest friend so mj's with harry peter's with gwen gwen dies harry does some drugs and that's a whole nother weird storyline uh and so mj and peter get to be close together MJ takes kind of Gwen's place. I mean, I think that they were coping together and they kind of fell in love. Oh, there was no coping. <laughs> it, it was, was just an immediate MJ, like, well, like there's insinuation earlier in the series as well where MJ's kind of giving Peter the eye and oh, yeah. kind of talking sexily to him and like, oh, Gwen, you're so lucky. And then Gwen, and then MJ's immediately like, I'm such a great model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so beautiful. You guys come watch me. Watch me. So narcissistic. She really is. It's all about me. And then she, it's almost like she can't stand that her best friend, Gwen Stacy, has this awesome guy, Peter Parker, in her grasp. Yeah. You know, I hadn't really thought about it that way. I've never seen MJ as being kind of, I don't want to say villainous, like you're portraying her, but she sounds kind of like, let me look at the issue where they finally hook up. MJ straight up just shows up and is like, sup, Peter, we're moving in together. Yeah. Like almost like an issue later, like instantly like, hey, Gwen's gone. What's up? You're not wrong. Uh, That's also the same issue that uh, uh, there's a very anti-drug mentality in that issue as well that I picked up on. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was all about don't do drugs, kids. Yeah, I mean, it's really weird because they have Harry Osborn is laid up in the hospital because of an LSD trip that's going on for like multiple days. That's right. Yeah, and and that's also kind of another weird thing that's happening where they've got scenes with MJ and Harry is laying in the bed and Gwen and Peter Parker are there in in the big Osborne mansion and Norman is like, who are you people? Get out of here. Like you're just, you're not helping anything. Yeah. And the whole time he's trying to get them out. So that way he can become green goblin and take back over. And oh right. That's because Norman forgot he was green goblin and he was trying to figure it back out. And he was having this weird memory loss thing going on. Yeah. And then he finally is like, you guys need to leave. And then he follows his way back to the theater where he's hidden the green goblin costume and the stupid inverted V and becomes the <laughs> yeah. Green Goblin again. I like that you're calling the hoverboard the inverted V. That's well, great. That's what it looks it's like. It's like an know, anti-grav board. Yeah, You whatever. know exactly what I'm talking exactly about. I know exactly what you're talking about. 
Um, but yeah, that's that is the death of the Stacys in a whole. It, it, there's a lot of weirdness in the background, but I think it's a really big turning point for Spider-Man. And MJ being a complete hussy. I'm going to go with a hussy because this was in the 80s. Wes said it, not me. (laughs) Well, the crazy thing is, is like everybody knows MJ. Mary Jane is Peter Parker, Spider-Man's best girlfriend ever. Like Mm -hmm. I had never even heard of Gwen Stacy until I read these comics. It was always MJ. Yeah. Mary Jane. Think about it, though. Gwen Stacy died in issue 121, maybe 122. I don't remember exactly which issue it was. But the thing is, is she died at... 120 issues out of 815 that are out right now. It's a long time ago. MJ and Peter have been together a lot longer than Gwen and him ever yep. were. So that's why. But the way they introduce the two of them together is hilarious. All right. Me. So in my opinion, the next big thing is the introduction of the black Spider-Man suit, or as most people are probably going to know, Venom. Venom. Venom is cool. I love Venom. The whole idea is really interesting to me that there is this alien suit that has bonded with Peter and Peter does not like some of the things that are going on, so he breaks up with the suit, basically, right? <laughs> yeah. And the suit's like, you know what? I'm going to find someone that hates you as much as I do to get back at you. Always fear an alien symbiote scorn. Yeah, something like that. Okay. So he shows up in Secret Wars number eight. Uh, this is a period of time where all of Marvel's superheroes have been pulled into this secret pocket reality where they're having this big fight. Uh, His suit has been damaged, and they're in this room, and this machine pops out this black ball that then engorges him, and it is the black suit. And it's really interesting because it makes him more powerful. In fact, they make it a really weird mention when he first appears in Amazing Spider-Man. It's issue 252, and previous to that, any time Spider-Man had jumped, they always said, oh, he jumped 20 feet into the air. Well, in 252, he jumps 30 feet into the air. So they're <laughs> actually like... better. Right. They're like quantifying how much better the suit makes him, <laughs> which I just thought was crazy. Okay, yeah. Also, uh, the web shooters, the suit is actually able to do an organic spider web thing. Right. And that becomes huge later because right. he uses that against Venom whenever Eddie Brock gets introduced. Yes. So there's this huge period of time where Spider-Man is wearing the black suit and all of these weird things are happening between him and Black Cat or Felicia Hardy at the time is his girlfriend because Mary Jane is left and there's got to be drama happening. Yeah, I missed that whole switch up thing with Mary Jane and Black Cat. And Yeah, yeah it it's it's crazy. But regardless, we're talking about Venom. So with the Venom suit, there was some weirdness happening where Peter was just constantly drained. And it's because when he was going to sleep, the suit would take back over and go out and like fight crime while he was asleep. That's right. Like, I the remember suit that couldn't one get issue. enough. Yeah. You know? um, and whenever they came back from Secret Wars... The Fantastic Four, uh, the Fantastic Four's Reed Richard was asking Peter, like, hey, I really want to study your suit. This is really weird. You just brought this back. No worries. Uh, deuces. And something's going on. Like, we should probably look into it, right? So the suit does some crazy stuff. Uh, he takes it over to Reed Richards, who realizes that it is an organism within its own. How long was Peter with that suit? It was like six or eight issues, wasn't oh, it? It was way longer than that, because he gets the suit in 252, and it's not until at least 258, 259, so about 10 issues. Six or eight issues. Thanks, Wes. <laughs> math again, math Adam. Again. I'm going to get you here. I'm the comic reader here, okay? <laughs> You're the math but, guy. But yeah, six to eight issues later, and he finally decides to go and talk to the most intelligent man in the universe about what this completely strange thing is that he brought back. Who thinks... I mean, he thinks it's just fine that the symbiote just drapes itself over a chair at night. Yeah. And then when he thinks, oh, I need the suit on it puts itself back on his body. Oh, I'm walking down the street now, so it looks like a normal set of clothes. Uh Uh-oh, I'm Spider-Man again. And it becomes the spider suit. Like, 
you're okay with that? Right. Well, and for that's, how long? It, for I, I don't know exactly what the time period was in the comics, but I like to think it was probably about a month or two. And you know what? The, the thing that cracks me up about it is like there is a scene where the puma slashes him, yeah, and he's gotten all beat up and whatnot. And there, it's him and Black Cat, and they're in his apartment, and the suit is like at first not willing to come off of Peter. And it finally comes off of Peter, and he's like, what could be wrong with it? And Black Cat goes, I don't know, but it's slithering like a snake. Yeah. Like, like it's the coolest. He's like, oh, that's fine. It's yeah, just a suit. It, but it took that long to go, wow, this is weird. And yeah, <laughs> so a few days later, he shows up at Reed Richards' door. Right. And what does Reed Richards do? Is, is that when he puts it in the container? That is. So yeah, that is actually when they were able to separate the suit. And there's it's kind of a big fight, really, because he wants to get rid of it. He can't get it off. So he finds the black note. That makes it drop off his body. Like there's right. some sort of frequency. In there is like a frequency. So what happens is the human torch is wanting to just torch him. And Reed Richards goes, no, because then you could kill Peter Parker too. So he goes and gets like this sonic blast gun and uses the sonic frequency to make the That's suit right. kind of dissolve. Uh, and then he, he puts it in like a little container. The human torch is like, oh, we'll just fry him. Yeah. Fine. The human torch. What a dummy. Like I, I hate the fantastic four too. I'm not a big fantastic four fan, oh, but we'll talk about that later. That's a great scene though. He's like, I'll just burn them like chicken. It'll be fine. It'll, the skin will come right off. And right. He'll yeah. be fine. It'll be edible, but he'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> just, come well, on, man. The other thing I love is like Reed Richards is this genius and, and he contains the venom symbiote and he like puts it in a Mason jar and then doesn't Basically, expect yeah. it to get out, yeah. you know? And it does. Of course it does. So it gets out, it, it rejoins Peter Parker. Peter Parker has this big battle scene where he uses a bell to make it basically dissolve off of his skin again in this church. Oh, right, the big bell thing. Okay, yes. yeah. So it's really neat because he's he's got this bell that's ringing, and it's the same frequency as the sonic blaster, so the venom suit is melting off of him, and he thinks the symbiote's dead. However, it has dripped onto Eddie Brock. Yes. Who was in the church below. And Eddie is a really cool villain because his whole thing is that he just hates Peter Parker. And the symbiote hates Peter Parker. So, hey, why don't we be best friends? Convenient. Very convenient. The symbiote knows who Peter Parker and Spider-Man are the same thing. Does Eddie Brock know at this point? Eddie does. He just yeah. hates Peter Parker. He hates Peter Parker, but once he joins up with the symbiote, he knows. He starts okay. harassing Mary Jane. So the symbiote is able to communicate. Yes. In fact, that was one of the cool things in issue number 300, which is when they introduce Eddie Brock as Venom. There is a few panels where Eddie is kind of talking to himself, and you don't know who it is just quite yet, uh, but he's actually talking to the symbiote. And I, I don't know. I just think it's neat. Okay. Okay. The symbiote can communicate. All of a sudden. Why would you spend so much time with one dude that you really like being with and not say a word to him? Like, why not tell Peter Parker, like, yo, I'm an alien uh, universe thing. I like to hurt things. Or I, I guess it's like an evolution thing. Maybe it evolved to be to the point where it could talk. I don't know. That is interesting because it doesn't really talk to Peter up until that point. Like, you like Peter enough to be to feel like the jilted lover so that you want to go and kill him, but you don't like him enough to say, hey, man, we need to be best friends. Well, I think at that point it's too late. Like, he's found Eddie. You know what <sighs> I mean? But Eddie is really neat. Uh, I think he's just a cool character, and he's still around. He's still Venom. Um, he's still a bad guy. And they're coming out with a movie. They are coming out with a movie. Um, I don't know when this episode will be released, so it may or may not be out yet. Right. I'm going to hold judgment until I see it. Sure, sure. Because uh, the trailers are very iffy. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, well, they've actually rewritten Venom's original storyline Again, there is a new Venom series out. They've rewritten his background and his origins, uh, but it's a whole other thing. I don't even want to get into it. I will say my favorite thing about Amazing Spider-Man number 300 is how they draw Venom because 
it, not even how they draw him, but specifically one part of it. He has normal looking teeth. Every time that you see Venom after that, he's got like the sharp, jagged, pointy right. teeth, but he just has the normal teeth. So it, he's just like this normal smile and it makes it really creepy. It's almost creepier than when he has the jagged, sharp, pointy teeth. I mean, it would be putting like human teeth inside of a frog's mouth. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. It's just uh, not cool. It's just, I don't know. I get a kick out of that. <laughs> yeah. So Venom is ridiculous because of just basically everything. I mean, you've got this Eddie Brock guy that has been working out and trying to get to a point where he's just this massive brute of a human just to get back at Peter Parker. And now he has this symbiote suit that pretty much gives him superpowers, allows him to do all kinds of things, super strength. He can web sling. He has the sixth sense like Spider-Man. And I mean, it just, the whole thing to me is over the top and I absolutely love it. Well, it starts, starts off with an alien symbiote over the top. Yeah. Yeah. And now he can communicate, but he couldn't before. And now he hates Spider-Man, but he loved Spider-Man before. And he it's brings crazy. this guy in. And Well, finally, Spider-Man does get the better of Venom. Yes. Although, when that issue starts, you really think Venom has got Spider-Man in a real tight spot. Yeah, and but, you know... Spider-Man always comes out on top. That's kind of one of Spider-Man's things is that he never really loses. Like, even whenever bad things happen to him, I feel like he's always got a way to kind of reverse it. I would say, like, Uncle Ben and, and the Stacys are really the only thing he doesn't 100% reverse. Yeah, and I'm thinking about some stuff we'll discuss later as sure. well. Sure, yeah, we're going to get there. And I'm thinking poor Spider-Man. <laughs> poor, poor Spider-Man. Well, but so, yeah, he, for the most part, he is successful, and except for these bright spots that are turning points for Spider-Man that help him build his character. Right. And, you know, but Venom is not a character-building thing. It is totally a kick-ass thing. Oh, yeah, I would say so. Um, it's great, too, because Venom ends up leading Peter Parker to the same spot that Venom was created, which was the big bell tower. The big church bell scene, you know. You say Venom created, but you know it's where he it's finally where, got Venom off of Peter Parker. It's where I would separated say, the two and became two separate entities. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's the creation of Venom because okay. he was he was just the symbiote before that. I think when he merged with Eddie Brock and absorbed some of that hate, like that hatred for Peter Parker, that was when Venom was born, uh, like okay. the true Venom. So he, he ends up back there, and Peter is... Oh, it's this ridiculous scene where Venom has him tied to the bell, like the inside of the bell oh, yeah, with the, all the, the webbing. clapper. Yeah. It's like, and, and in perfect old James Bond fashion, it's, you know, here's my evil plan. You're going to get smashed with the clapper, and now I'm going to peace out and go drink coffee down at yeah. coffee, Starbucks down the road. Deuces. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> uh, you're dead, Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm out. Right. And so Peter Parker realizes that whenever Venom uses his web, it is the symbiote itself coming off of him. It's not like it's an individual item. Yeah, he like sees chink in the armor sort of thing. Yeah. Like notices that the... Oh, or was it from uh, reading from the, uh, Richard Reed that it was actually by... Biological? Or, yeah, that word. Biological? Yeah, so I, I think it probably he was able to see it happen and put two and two together and realizes right. like, okay, he has a, a finite amount of this. Thank goodness. Right? Whew. So he starts to get weak because Spider-Man is, you know, able to get out, of course. Of he course. gets out. He gets out of the clapper thing, and he starts dipping, dodging around, and uh, the whole time Venom's going pew, 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 pew with these biological spider webs. Yes. And, and it's really great because he ends up with this, like, you have, like, half-naked Eddie Brock and, like, half-Venom. Oh, yeah. And it's, That's like, a, hanging oh, off man, of him. such a great panel. Yeah, it is Freaking a really good-looking panel. One, yeah. yeah, I actually like that a lot. Uh, and so Spider-Man saves the day. 
and he's able to beat him up. It's like, <laughs> and so you're like, yep, and Spider-Man wins. What a dramatic ending, right, Adam? Yeah. But they've done so much with Venom since. Spider-Man wins! Yeah. Yeah. I uh, mean... Supposedly. Well, it, they have. I know you haven't read a whole lot about nope, it, uh, really. but Venom is a huge reoccurring character. Yeah, so they've done a whole lot with Venom since. I mean, they are able to take the symbiote itself and actually turn it into this like anti-venom is what they call it and they give it to flash thompson and he becomes a superhero and he is able to use the agent venom uh, as he becomes for good you know and so he's got all kind of all of the same powers as venom um he's not as super strong and whatnot but he's like a police officer in a venom outfit and it's kind of cool we'll get there you, you'll have to read some of that it, it, they've got some pretty neat things where he fights off carnage who you may not know about carnage but carnage is another symbiote there's like 15 of these things of course and carnage is uh Bat shit crazy. Cool. Like I like, you, I like those types of characters. It's a, a like a symbiote that is already nuts that takes over a body of someone in an insane asylum. So just oh, let that sit with so you. So really, really actually literally crazy. Yes. Okay. Uh, in fact, they have now cast Woody Harrelson as Carnage in the, hopefully an upcoming movie, <laughs> which fun. I think could be really neat. Fun. That's fun. Uh, but Carnage is great. We're going to talk about him here again in just a little bit. Just a little bit, huh? Oh, yeah. Okay, I thought we were going to push him off to like season 15. Oh, no, no, no. We haven't talked about Carnage and the Green Goblin teaming up yet. Oh, no. Yeah, we're going to get there. Okay. All so right, right. next big event is Civil War. And I'm, I'm really curious. I love Civil War. What did you think about it? I like Civil War as an overall storyline, story arc. I would have stopped reading that comic probably the first time that uh, Captain America and Iron Man started having conflict. Really? Yeah, I would have stopped reading probably. Just not a big fan of the superheroes versus superheroes kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. It's the good guy versus good guy aspect, and it's so frustrating to read because, yes, they're both right. And I understand that's why they wrote it. It's because it's so deep, but yeah. it is so utterly frustrating and unfair to which, both sides. Which side were you on? Oh, Captain America. Totally. Like, <laughs> okay, who, okay, okay. Who who's on Spider uh, who's on Iron Man's side? God, too many I, people. I really the wrong people. Oh my goodness. Yeah, like, I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of people that were like Team Iron Man. Oh, that's rough to hear. Like I obviously I didn't read it when it came out. What is it, twenty twelve when this came out? Been six years ago. I wasn't reading comics at that point, but uh yeah, probably it sounds like one of those things you'd lose friends over. I can't imagine that there were people that did not get in giant arguments about this. But again, that's part of the fun of reading comics, is being able to argue over something, but it's also so freaking poignant right now. But we're moving on from that. Yes, so the big part about reading Civil War is the fact that Spider-Man reveals his identity. That is part of the, like, I would say the quintessential Civil War is the huge part about it, is that Iron Man is able to get Peter Parker on his side, and in front of the entire world, he pulls off his masks and says, oh, hey, I'm Peter Parker, and I support... Iron Man. And then he gets the ever-loving shit kicked out of him for it. Like, every single villain ever comes out and, like, it just, he gets destroyed. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, I mean, does, is this part of why, are we gonna get into that part where Aunt May gets shot? Yes. Because of this? Because of this, exactly. So that's kind of part of the lead-up is this, is like, yes, that's a huge part for Spider-Man, that he revealed his identity, uh, but the bigger part is, to me, the effects that it had on all of his friends and family. Because the whole point was like, hey, look, I can be Spider-Man and Peter Parker and nothing bad happens, and then everything bad and happens. And then everything bad happens to him. Yes. Uh, and I will say, one of the my two favorite panels in that entire storyline is the panel of the Punisher holding... 
uh, Peter Parker and breaking down like the Secret Avengers door, and they're like, "I need a doctor," right? You know? right. And he's oh, like, it's so big. "Oh, it's so oh. cool!" And it's even the, like the lead-in panel for the next issue yes. of him holding the spider, and he's still in the Iron Spider, like the right. Iron Spider suit that yeah. Iron Man made him, and it's just so cool. Uh, and then my second favorite panel, and this is a totally different thing, but. You know, the whole thing is that Iron Man is using villains to fight the secret Avengers at this point. And Captain America is like, well, that's really messed up. And two villains come to Captain America, the secret Avengers, and they say, well, hey, you know, this is like a police state. Like, this isn't cool. We don't want this either. I, I mean, we, we're bad guys, but we're not bad guys, you know? <laughs> and and he's like trying, these two villains are trying to team up with Captain America and help them out. And Punisher just blows their brains out. <laughs> like, no, out of nowhere. And the funniest thing to me is the next panel is him looking at everybody and it just says, what? <laughs> like, what? It's no, it's no big deal. It, they were bad guys, guys. What are we worried about? Yeah. They were bad guys. They came in. I shot them. We're oh. done with this. And what? Captain America loses his shit. Oh, my God. And he's like, you murderous son of a bitch. Yeah. And he just starts pummeling him. And he, he says something along the lines of fight back. And the Punisher looks at him, and he's just destroyed. And he says, no, not you. Like his, and, like, I'm crying right now. I'm yeah. like, oh. Like, his earlobe's hanging off. His nose is crooked. He's missing teeth. And I'm talking yeah. about the Punisher and he's like not you oh, and then one and, of the last yeah. panels of that entire story is him holding Captain America's uh, mask and and that just I don't know I feel like oh, they the did, whole story the whole like story like the very last done. issue yeah he's like holding yeah. Captain America's mask and the Punisher's looking at it like he just has like, so much respect like, for Captain no America no idea why Captain America gave up in yeah. that sort of deal because yeah. I think the Punisher is one of those characters that's like he doesn't give up on anything we're gonna have a whole Punisher episode it's yeah, gonna be yeah. great but anyways so back to Spider-Man all right, so can we just go ahead and ruin the end of Civil War, though? Oh, yeah. Is spoil the crap out of it. If you don't want to know the very, very... It's been ending, six years, yeah, if you, and, and the movie's been out. Like, if yeah. you don't know what happened in Civil War and you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but go read it. The part that I love the most is how it absolutely ends, and it's with uh, Tony Stark mm -hmm. as the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., who is in charge of the secret identities of all these superheroes. Yeah. So his plan from the very beginning, was to, yes, you have to register, but there's going to be one man who knows the answer, and it's me. Yeah. I hold the lock and key to your identities. But, I hate Tony Stark so much. Oh, yeah, but at least he's trying to protect his buddies. You know, that's like Is the only though? redeeming quality. I don't even know. I don't like, know. Does In future issues, does he use it to blackmail anybody? It's a good uh, thing we're talking about Spider-Man right yeah, now. Yeah, let's go back to Spider-Man. So... <laughs> <laughs> So the big thing about Civil War is that he, he gives up his identity. So this causes all these problems because Aunt May gets shot. Aunt May gets shot. So there's like six-ish issues oh, of her yeah. being in the hospital. She gets rushed to the hospital, and they can't even say like, oh, I'm Peter Parker. This is May Parker. They give them fake names because they're kind of on the run at this point. Yeah. In fact, I had to, uh, I think I messaged you at one point. I'm like, who's this Who's this person? Yeah. And I finally caught on later in the issue that it was Mary Jane. She was just using an alias. Right. She has to use an alias because they didn't get arrested at the end of Civil War. Right. Which, oh my God, whatever. So he is flipping out and he goes to Tony Stark and, you know, Tony is trying to look for it. Like he is actively pursuing Spider-Man at this point. And so he shows up and he's like, Tony, I need help. Aunt May is dying. It's not right. You know, it's not right. Like you have all the money in the world. And he says, well, no, I can't help you. Like, you're a fugitive. There's nothing I can do for you. 
And so he goes to Doctor Strange. And I, I know that you thought this was one of the coolest things. Oh, my goodness, yes. However, Tony Stark does help him at the end of the issue. He sends yeah. his butler off. He sends Jarvis in to pay for Aunt May's medical bills. Sure. as what, what, care of. What is he? He poses as like her long lost cousin or something. something yeah. But yeah, so you see, maybe I'm turning over to Team Iron Man here. Oh. I don't know. Uh, well, podcast it, over. <laughs> Leave. <laughs> And he is actually walking out the door. So, yeah, so, you know, Iron Man does help Aunt May out as best he can, but he does go to Doctor Strange. Oh, it's so cool. Doctor Strange is an awesome character. He is. I'm getting so flustered here because I love talking about this guy. Like, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange in the movie. Perfect. Beautiful. Oh, my God. Like, reading the the stories of a little bit of Doctor Strange that I got from reading Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, Doctor Strange is such a cool character. Oh, yeah. he's And, you know, like, the movie was awesome, but I don't know that the movie even did Doctor Strange justice. I don't... Without having read any Doctor Strange uh, comic books, I can guarantee you the movies were not good enough. Uh, Yeah. Anyways. Enjoy the hell out of the movie. Uh, But, so, there's this panel where Doctor Strange is going to use the hands of the dead. Yeah, so it's like this time traveling thing. It kind of shows you like all of the pasts, I guess, like things that have happened. It can actually send you back into the past. Right. To possibly change things that happened in the past. Like right. these are really this is a really powerful artifact. But Doctor Strange knows this. Exactly. So he's going to use it to send Spider-Man poof, out in several different directions all at once, basically splitting his soul, sending him out to all these people to go and talk to them to see if they are willing to help Spider-Man save Aunt May. And that's the thing is that he didn't want Spider-Man to do it. Like he tells him like, yes, I have this artifact, but no, you can't use it. And of course, Spider-Man is like, fuck you, I'm going to do it anyways. And he grabs it and then he travels. And it's weird too, because there's a few panels there where like he, he sees Aunt May getting shot again, but the bullet goes through him. So it's like, he's not even really fully there. Oh yeah. Like he's just reliving. He's there. He can witness it. He might be able to affect it, but he's not strong enough to force his will to actually make anything happen to change it. Thank goodness. Then there are these weird monsters that attack that that are like time force monsters or something like they're like, oh, no, they don't even talk to him. They just start attacking him. So Strange has to come in and, and fix it all. Poof. And then uh, take Spider-Man to get healed back. Yeah. What happens right after that? Like, so he sees that little girl oh, right outside no, of Doctor right. Strange's house. He leads Doctor Strange's house and she says, nobody else can help you, but I can. Yeah. And it's actually really interesting because when Spider-Man is going through all these different variations, he, he even there's a, a bit in that panel that he says something along the lines of, I went to everyone, even people that I knew would rather see me dead just to see. Dr. Doom. And there's this scene, like it's a really small little blur, but it's him on his hands and knees begging Dr. Doom for help. And that is so cool. Dr. Doom is such a cool character. And not even Dr. Doom can help Aunt May at this point. Nobody can save her. It is her time to go. He just needs to buck up and accept it. And that's even Dr. Strange says, well, Peter, we all die. It happens. It happens. Uh, But, and Spider-Man says it yet again, nobody dies. Because of him. Right. That's, That's always like thing. the caveat. Like if Aunt May had a heart attack or if she had grown old and was having a disease, if she had cancer, he'd be supposedly he'd be cool with it. Right. But not because of me. But because it was my fault. Right. Aunt May cannot die now. It's, yeah. So he sees this little girl and the little girl is Mephisto, one of the coolest characters in Marvel history, in my opinion. Like, I mean, real evil son of a bitch. But he he gives Peter, this whole rundown of like, whoa, I can fix things for you. You know, you're going to have to give me something, uh, but I can fix it. And it comes down to, I will make you forget all about Mary Jane and all about your marriage and all about your love. Because Peter is like, well, what can I give you? What what do I have that I can give you? I'll give you anything. 
And he's like, well, I don't want just anything. I want your love. And that is huge. And so and he's talking to Peter this entire time. And he's like, okay, well, I need to talk to Mary Jane. And he goes, oh, don't worry about it. I already did it for you. No, she's right there. Yeah. And it cuts over and like there is another version of Mephisto. Like I guess his twin or not a twin, but like a clone or something. Uh, like a, a manifestation of him talking to Mary Jane and giving her the same spiel. And so she's in tears and Peter's in tears. And she's like, well, Peter, we have to do it. It's Aunt May. Yeah. And there's a part of me that like is sitting there wondering if Mary Jane was like, oh, thank Christ. Finally, I can get out of this bullshit. You know, can you imagine being her? Like you find the the high school love of your life or the college love of your life and you get married and then, oh my gosh, well, they're a superhero, and now all these people want me dead just because I'm married to this dude. So there is some small part of me that wonders if Mary Jane wanted out. No. No, you don't think no, so? because at the very end, she's like, we're meant to be together. We will find each other again. Yeah, she at does. At the very end. But it's so dramatic. Like, we're both married. Could you imagine giving up your marriage oh, God, to no. save another person? Ugh. Like, just having that entire piece of you ripped out of you, except this little small part that he says he will that Mephisto says he will leave behind so that you just know yeah. you remember of what you had but you no longer have it it's like but you don't know what it is it's like heartache that you don't know why yeah. oh it's just Mephisto this is my first encounter with him and I don't like this guy. Yeah, they actually just recently uh, released an issue. It came out this past Wednesday called, like, What If Mephisto Was a Hero? And it's Mephisto. The, the front cover is awesome. I haven't read it yet, but it's Mephisto, like, in a Camaro or something going down the street, and they're, like, giving him a parade. And I really, I can't wait to sit down and read through this one. You can't hear it over the air, but I am rolling my eyes so far back in my head. Yeah, it's really, really he, ridiculous. And, like, and so he does. He, They agree to let that happen. Yeah. And they choose, the both of them together, choose to make this happen to save Aunt May's life. Yeah, and, they, and he does it. He I, does. It. He fulfills his bar, part of the bargain. Like it. It is. It, that's really good writing, though. I think you know. This, so that's fantastic. something I will consistently tell you is that some of these comic book writers are amazing. I mean, fact of the matter is, you read one issue with Mephisto in it, and you hate that guy. Oh yeah, that writer was able to invoke an emotion in you that some writers wouldn't be able to do. No. So I just, I kudos to that guy. You know, it's amazing. Uh, so the next big thing that we're going to talk about is this really crazy storyline with Doc Ock. Uh, again, rolling my eyes so far back in my head. This <laughs> one feels contrived and like shoehorned in, and I didn't like much of this story at all. But go ahead, tell it's us really ridiculous. About. I don't really know what I feel about the story itself, but it led into one of my favorite Spider-Man spinoffs. So I will say that. So Doc Ock has this plan. He gets together the Sinister Six, and Doc Ock's in pretty rough shape. He is, like, nasty old man. Like, he's got this breathalyzer that he's built that's keeping him alive for the most part. So he's not in good condition at all. He has come up with the idea that he's going to save the world. In his last few days, he wants to make sure that the world is going to no longer have any climate issues, I guess. So he creates this weird shield around the world using all these little nanobots and it fixes all these climate problems. And he keeps claiming over and over and over like, oh no, I'm just doing this out of the good of my heart. And Spider-Man is convinced that he's not. He knows something is up. So he's trying to find all of these little bases and whatnot. And he's fighting each one of the Sinister Six. So he finally gets to where Doc Ock is. And there's this whole scene where he goes through and 
beats up Doc Ock and, and is able to save the day and he gets away. But there are some of these nanobots out there still. And it does turn out that Doc Ock was going to turn it all around and fry the world, basically, if they didn't give him like a million dollars and he, he was going to uh, get all this money for the Sinister Six. And then he was going to do something for Rhino and he was going to do something. Mysterio. It was just he, crazy. He got the money. Two billion dollars for each of the Sinister Six. Right. And then the only promise he made to Rhino was Rhino got to watch the world Burn. Yeah, and it's like Rhino is kind of a really sad story. I mean, I, I think so. I've always kind of had some compassion for Rhino and Sandman. It sounded personally. like his heart was torn out, like children were killed or something. To yeah, that lost his family, so he wanted to watch the whole world burn. Right, and, and it turns out Rhino ends up dying, and he does get to watch the world burn. Kind of, at least he thinks he does. Anyways, these nanobots are all around. We skip to a couple issues later. Doc Ock is in this like super penitentiary cell. I mean, it's well, it's the equivalent of um, Azkaban is what I want to say. Alcatraz? Alcatraz, thank you. Okay. I always call it Azkaban, right. but I really mean Alcatraz. Gotcha. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think you're still right. The prisoners of Azkaban is the Harry Potter equivalent right. of a major prison jail. I'm getting my nerds mixed yep. up here. And But Doc Ock is like on his deathbed. They have oh, to yeah. have him in an iron lung just to keep this guy alive. Absolutely. Like, there's a scene where the doctor cuts into his chest and massages his heart to bring him back to life. So the doctors are working on him, trying to keep him alive, which I think is weird to begin with. Like These are some of the baddest humans in the planet stuck in this jail cell why in the world are they trying to keep them alive i mean i guess maybe it's their duty like the doctor's hippocratic oath yeah which i get but i don't know man i would just have such a, like oh. this dude's murdered millions of people she saves him and then spits on him as she's walking out the door that's fair okay and it's funny because he as like he gets saved he's just muttering peter parker or no he's muttering spider-man isn't it nope peter parker peter parker that's mm -hmm. what i was thinking yeah so he knows like he's muttering peter parker peter, peter parker. parker peter but it parker. is peter parker Right. In his head. So what ends up happening is Peter Parker or Spider-Man shows up and he is, is standing over there and he's looking over this old man and he's like, what do you want? And then all of a sudden it switches and Peter Parker is now in the brain of Doc Ock and Doc Ock is now in Peter Parker's body. And it's kind of weird because Peter Parker opens his eyes and he's like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, I'm looking at me. And, and they have this scene where he kind of reverberates back to him, like all the things that have happened, where he used this gold nanobot to basically extract Peter Parker's brain and then like put his brain inside of Peter Parker and then it activates. And then it spawns one of the coolest comic book series of all times called The Superior Spider-Man. Because at the very end of all of this, they have all of these scenes where... Peter and Doc Ock are talking, and Peter sees all of the awful things that have happened to Doc Ock over his life. Well, Doc Ock sees all of the things that have happened to Peter, and he, he consistently, over these events, says, you know, I could have done that better. Well, I could have been better here, too. So he says, you know what? I'm going to be better. I'm going to be Spider-Man, and I'll be the superior Spider-Man. And it ends. And I'll tell you, Wes, when this happened, people were pissed. Like, Dan Slott got death threats for doing this. I want to write him one right now. Oh, come on. It was great. This is something that I feel like is really <laughs> cheesy, but it's, it was awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cheesy. And like the fact that Spider-Man figures it out, that he can project his brain out and force uh, Spider-Man slash Doc Ock to remember these rememories and yeah. 
forces him to become Spider-Man in the span of about 30 seconds. Yeah, it was neat. I thought it was really cool because there's this entire period where Peter Parker is trying to convince all these people that he's actually Doc Ock and he's trying to get back into his body and Doc Ock in Peter Parker's body is like getting all of their friends and family and putting them in this like danger zone, like this danger room and has them locked off and he's trying to fight crime and he's always one step ahead of Peter. Every single time Peter comes up with something, yeah, Doc Ock's right there ahead of and him. And Peter in Doc Ock's body has now the Sinister Four, and he's right. very, like, don't hurt the guards, don't hurt them. And, and they're freaking out. They're like, why? What's going on? It's just a bunch of guards. We can kill these guys, right? Yeah. And then he's like, no, 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 don't do it. That's, I need to question them. Or he comes up with something. He comes excuse. up with something, yeah. Uh, and this leads into, like I said earlier, the superior Spider-Man. Peter Parker dies, and Doc Ock is now Spider-Man. Yeah. With uh, your physical abilities and my superior genius, I'll be the superior Spider-Man. Yeah. And, you know, there's this scene in that comic that really, I think, is a huge tearjerker because Peter dies. And he goes into this heaven world, basically. And this is when he's in Doc Ock's body. And he sees all of the Stacys. He sees, you know, Gwen and her father. He sees all these people that have died over the years that he's been great friends with. And then he sees his parents, which is huge for him, I can only imagine. And then you hear Uncle Ben, and then you see Uncle Ben, and Uncle Ben says, it's not your time, Peter. Time to go back. And like, boom, he just, you know, hits the ground or whatever, wakes up in Doc Ock's body, and he's like, all right, got to fix this. And I don't know, I just thought that was beautiful. Put some urgency into his step to do it, and he fails slash succeeds at the end. At the end, he does. Uh, Peter comes back, he's able to take back over his body. In fact, they're able to make Doc Ock like a clone body that he moves into, and he still is a Spider-Man character. Uh, he still continues to fight in like a spider suit that he builds and he is now a good guy. And Peter Parker is still dead. No, Peter Parker's alive. In episode or in issue 702. No. Okay. No. Doc Ock is Peter Parker for a long time. Okay. Yeah, for a for while. The hundred uh, issues or so getting up yeah, to about just about, just about up to about uh it's not quite up to eight hundred. The superior Spider Man had thirty two issues, I believe. Okay. Uh but they do end it. Uh whenever they end it, Peter Parker comes back. Uh you know, Peter Parker always comes back, right? How did he come back? Oh, uh, you gotta, gotta go read know. Superior Spider Man. I got And all of you I listeners, go look, go read Superior Spider Man. It's awesome. Oh, I'm okay. not gonna ruin it for you, but I will all tell right. you this. This is how good it is. People were sending death threats to Dan Slot because they hated the idea so much. First issue came out and all of them sent apology letters <laughs> i mean like it was just great i could see him like counting out the death threat letters and then he counts out the apology letters and he had 101 death threats but only 100 apologies there's like that one guy out there yeah, and like, yeah. oh, i still hate you yeah screw him didn't even read spider-man just wanted to send out a hate letter <laughs> so after all of this we're on about issue 700 yes of doc ock and you have the superior spider-man spinoff that's the complicated thing about spy- uh, comic books today Spinoffs everywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the the other thing is, is that Original Sin took place relatively recently, uh, within the last two or three years, and Original Sin caused a whole nother spinoff. Because in Original Sin, which I know you have not read, this was not part of what I, I considered like our important material, but I think all of you listeners should know this. Wes, you should know this as well. And you should really go read it. You should be able to get it. You find out that when Peter Parker was bit by that spider that spider continued on and bit somebody else and it creates a new spider character named silk and silk's really cool. And silk has been kept in captive from that day. She found out that she had spider powers pretty much immediately and was held captive. So silk is really, really neat. Uh, go read original sin. 
and enjoy all of it. It's awesome. Original spin or original sin is another spinoff. It is an entire comic series, kind of like Civil War. Okay. Uh, but it, it's over. It was nine issues, I want to say. Uh, okay. And it created a new Spider-Man spinoff of Silk. So Silk is just a kind of a very similar female Spider-Man, but she's not Spider-Woman. Yeah, I know. I know. There's a million characters, and yes. Uh, just one question. Go for it. In a panel of Civil War, you see a bunch of the uh, superheroes. You see a woman that looks like uh, Spider-Woman. Yes. Big spiders on her hands. Spider-Woman? That's Spider-Woman. Silk is more recent, like within the last two years. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, Spider-Woman so, so, is totally separate from Silk. So in Civil War, Spider, that was Spider-Woman. That was Spider-Woman, okay. yes. Now I know. Yes. My, I've, I've never heard of this Silk character. I knew. It was a surprise I wanted to bring up for you. So we also lead into the most recent big event, uh, and I think that this one is maybe not as big as some of the other ones that we've talked about, but it is one of the bigger events that's happened because it was the big 800 issue that was the end of Dan Slott writing Spider-Man. He's written it for a long time now, so he had a kind of a big bang, and that is the Green Goblin meeting up with Carnage and fusing together and becoming the Red Goblin and just terrorizing Peter and terrorizing the world because he remembers that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And it is a nightmare for him. In fact, one of the coolest scenes, there is a part where like he's terrorizing all these people and he goes, why am I picking on people you love? I don't have to do that. You're Peter Parker. You love everyone. I'll just go fuck up these guys on the street. Oh, that's So he brutal. just starts. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's goodness. wicked. Nobody dies. Exactly. Including Aunt Jean over there that mm -hmm. I have, haven't seen in 200 years. And even better yet, he what? kidnaps his uh, grandson, Harry Osborne's son, and injects him with the goblin serum that causes him to go crazy. So now his grandson is also like a mini green what? goblin. It's ridiculous. The biggest thing that happens in this, in my opinion, is that Flash Thompson dies. Peter Parker's all messed up and he's going to fight the Red Goblin and he thinks he has a way to beat him, but he doesn't have enough power. So Flash Thompson gives him over his suit to help fight off the Red Goblin with the Black Venom suit or the anti-symbiote or whatever. He's able to have enough power to do what he needs to do. But Flash Thompson had been all kinds of messed up. So he is laying there dying. And even Peter is like, no, like if you give me that suit, you're going to die. And he says, yeah, but you're going to save millions. So he gives him the suit. Peter puts it on, and then the last few panels is them burying Flash, and that was huge. I mean, Flash, you may not have much of an attachment to him. Of course not. But, but. Flash has been around since the get-go. I mean, he was the guy that beat up Peter Parker in the beginning. So he's been a huge character in Peter's life for a really long time, and I think, you know... Peter has evolved with him. It was in my mind that would be no different than Mary Jane dying or someone else. I mean, it's one of his best friends, one of his oldest friends that yeah. has been around forever, and now they're burying him. Yeah, so and it's really sad. So that was issue eight hundred, is when that happened. That was oh. the end of that series. Was issue eight hundred, and then Dan Slott fi finishes it with his kind of romantic eight hundred one, which I know you've read and said you weren't a big fan of at first, but now it sounds like you're a huge fan of it. Well, sure. I mean, it's a love letter to Spider Man, and it c creates everything, and it's basically showing you know, how good Spider-Man is and how he has affected this absolute nobody. Yeah, it's. I think that's just a, a great way of kind of ending a series for him. Because of the final panel of 801, uh, I believe it was a little girl like, oh, I finally got to see a superhero, but it had to be Spider-Man. Why could right. it be Thor? I think that's so funny yeah. because... Like, I think even you didn't realize how big Spider-Man was in Marvel not a, culture. Not a clue yeah. how big he is. But he but is. He's huge. He's a monster. I mean, he's the best-selling number one issue yeah. uh, in I, Marvel history. Right. Yeah. That number is crazy. I still can't believe. I can't imagine, like, a 32-page book selling for a million dollars. It's amazing.
But uh, that is Spider-Man. So with all of the things that we've just went over, you should be able to go out, buy 802. Uh, and it's really neat because they just revamped their numbering system. So it'll say like Legacy 802 and then it'll have like issue number two. Makes sense. Yeah, it's a lot easier to keep up with now. Uh, And I've been wishing that they would do something like this for a long time. So So they'll have have both numbers on the They have both numbers now. So you'll have like a legacy number, so that way you can see like Amazing Spider-Man 1 through 800 or 802 or 805 or whatever. And then they've got below that in like a little bit bigger letters are the actual issue number. So it would be Amazing Spider-Man number two. Because this is a new 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 series. Yep. Uh, So is 801 considered the first of the new series? 801 is the end of the last series. series. So 802 is Amazing Spider-Man number one. What I'm really excited about, because as I mentioned earlier, not a big Fantastic Four fan. Dan Slott's now writing Fantastic Four. Ooh, maybe I'm excited about that a lot. So that is the web of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a block of cheese with that final line? Uh, maybe a glass of wine too, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> Great job, Adam. Thank you very much. I actually feel like I could go pick up issue 802. Of course, I've read a bunch of them now. But hopefully the uh, listener at home will feel comfortable walking into their favorite local comic book shop and say, hey, I need Legacy Sp- Amazing Spider-Man number 802 slash Amazing Spider-Man number one. Yeah, I, I really hope so. That was the whole point of this. So we hope you enjoyed it. All right, Adam. So we've covered Spider-Man in its entirety. Yes. I feel we'll never talk about him ever again. No, that's not true. <laughs> I can talk about Spider-Man every day. Uh, I was afraid you'd say that, but that's good. I love Spider-Man now. So what are we going to cover next week? All right. I think that we need to cover Green Lantern. We've done a Marvel. Okay. We need to do a DC. Now, I know Green Lantern is not huge in most people's books, but he isn't mine. That is my favorite character, period. Like, there is no one better, in my opinion, in comics than Green Lantern. Well, this is coming from the guy who wears not only the Green Lantern ring, but also wears the Green Lantern shoes and wears the Green Lantern shirt. Yes. So you're a big Green Lantern fan. We're going to cover Green Lantern. And I recommend uh, all of you listeners out there, if you want to get, like, an origin story of Green Lantern, this is what I'm going to recommend, Wes, and then we'll have maybe a full list of what we read on the website later. Go read Secret Origin number three. It is a great retelling of Hal Jordan's uh, initial story because there are thousands of green lanterns but we're going to focus on hal jordan even though guy gardner is my favorite we're going to focus on hal jordan instead all right so i want to talk about my favorite comic that i read this week real quick i'm just going to give you the down and dirty it's called die 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 it is from image comics which you may not know a whole lot about but it's a whole nother comic company uh it was written by robert kirkman so i'm sure a lot of you guys will know who that is uh the walking dead the artist is Chris Burnham, and the colorer was Nathan Fairburn. Uh, but this book was killer. It was really cool, and it was also really neat because nobody knew anything about it. It just showed up one day at a comic store. Basically, if you if the comic store was ordering Oblivion Song, for every copy of Oblivion Song they got, they got a copy of Die, Die, Die. And a lot of shops were giving this away for free if you had a pull list of Oblivion Song. So I got a copy of it, and I freaking loved it. I thought it was awesome. Go read it. Go check it out. It's my comic of the week. Where can they find you, Adam, if somebody wants to get in touch with you right now? If someone wanted to get in touch with me right now, they could find me on Twitter at the Real Simso. That's S-I-M-S-O. Or you could email us at fanmail at backpationetwork.com. And you can find me at Wes the GM on Twitter. That's about it. <laughs>